You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, broadcast in mid-March 2021, our third year on the air and still going strong. Today we speak with Tony Witt about unusual Target books. These books have no stories, but maybe something you'd like. Also included collection protection and the most outrageous offer. And now, without any further ado, here he is, the great Fraser Hines. Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, the podcast that explores the unusual world of Doctor Who collecting, the collectors who collect, and issues surrounding Doctor Who collecting, now in our third year on the air. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I've been collecting Doctor Who since 1981. I opened one of the first Doctor Who stores in Chicago back in 1984 called Bundles from Britain, and we served the Doctor Who fan clubs of the Chicago area. We're mentioned in a wonderful book called Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America from ATB Publishing, and our company lived on page 384. You can find a very convenient link to buy this book at the front page of our website, DoctorWhoCollectors.com. Speaking of links, I want to share with you two great resources for collectors. Uh, The first one is Timelash.com, and they will help you keep track of your books, vinyl, and audio collections for free. Special thanks to Mr. Dan O'Malley, who maintains that site. If you're not sure what you have, or if it exists, then you need to look it up at Howe's Transcendental Toy Box at DrWhoToyBox.co.uk. David J. Howe is a great friend and the best resource for collectors. If you're looking for Target books at new prices, then look no further than DoctorWhoStore.com. Alien Entertainment is what you has what you need in that department, especially many Target titles and new adventure titles at new prices. Also, check this space for new announcements of new products with our new partner, Forbidden Planet. Soon we will have links to these products on our website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. Now is the time to sign up for Chicago TARDIS 2021. Hopefully, this convention will return to an in-person experience as more people are becoming vaccinated and uh, the virus numbers continue to go down. We're hoping that the venue will open up to us again. So keep ChicagoTARDIS.com in your bookmarks and experience the best Doctor Who convention in the Midwest. I am deeply honored to be the collecting expert for Chicago TARDIS, and you can see my Doctor Who collecting panel from the virtual Chicago TARDIS 2020 on their YouTube and Facebook page streams. Our theme song is Who's Doctor Who, composed by Mary Mason and Les Reed, performed by Fraser Hines, who played Jamie McCrimmon in 117 Doctor Who episodes. He's a dear friend of ours, and we hope that you enjoy listening to it. Consider becoming a friend of our podcast, and you can support us at DoctorWhoCollectors.Podbean.com, and you can hear this podcast anywhere you can get your podcasts. We're also a proud member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance, so you can hear many other great Doctor Who podcasts at DoctorWhoPodcastAlliance.org. A few more podcasts I want to recommend to you is uh, be sure to listen to a Police Box in a Junkyard podcast where a random Doctor Who story will be discussed. And I was a recent guest on the most recent taping where we discussed Doctor Who and the Cricket Men. It is hosted by our good friend Eric Branson, and you can find it also under the Video Junkyard podcast label, and you can find them on SoundCloud. If you're listening to this podcast, you should also be listening to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, hosted by my good friend Tony Witt, along with Allison Fitch Seyfried and Dalton Hughes. They are reviewing the Target books in story order, which I always found interesting, uh, because they're not written in story order. But I've had the honor of being a guest on that podcast many times, so please give it a listen. 
After the break, today I will be talking about unusual Target books, books that were not novels, but produced for other reasons, and I will be talking with my special guest, Tony Witt, the host and producer of the Doctor Who Target Book Pod. After the break, I will be talking about unusual Target books, books that did not become novels, and my special guest is Tony Witt, the host and producer of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. Who are you? I'm the Doctor. This is Sarah Jane Smith. Harry Sullivan. We're travelers. Where are you from? It's a long story. Where are we, Doctor? I have no idea. My friend and I are not from your planets. Aliens? Humans? Then, well, I am anyway. That is not possible. The Earth is dead. I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order. We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, non-fiction books, and on and on. I'm your host, Eric Branson. I would be very happy if you join me for the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms including SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafry. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Enjoy your travels! Up there is the scanner, those are the doors, that is a chair with a panda on it. Sheer poetry, dear boy. Today we're going to talk about unusual target books. These are the books that were not novelizations, but were books about monsters or dinosaurs or cavemen or whatever. Uh, I'm guessing the marketing director at WH Allen said, Create something so we can make a lot of money. And this is exactly what it came from. From 1975 to 1991, these books were printed on the Target imprint, but not Target books. And of course, anytime I mention the word Target book on this podcast, I am required by order of the Faction Paradox, the Shadow Proclamation, the Sisterhood of Karn, the Marketing Division of the Sirius Cybernetics Corporation, the Gods of Ragnarok, and many more to bring in our resident expert, the host and producer of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, and my good friend, Mr. Tony Wett. Welcome, sir. Thank you. I had no idea so many groups and organizations were pulling for me. The gods <laughs> were a little ticked. I didn't do it last time, so <laughs> so I, I thought I, we'll 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 definitely make everybody happy at this point. And uh, I thought I included even the uh, like I said, I included the uh, Douglas Adams uh, people in there because uh, definitely this was the, these books were definitely a work of the marketing team at uh, Target, um, especially in late 76, 77, when they saw the sales of the books start to really peak, they thought we got to get more out there, get it more, get more, get more. And, you know, they put into, you know, they kind of pressured into service Terrence Dix and, and others to kind of produce these books. And these are, you know, these sold very well. However, very few of them are collectible. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain as we go. So we're going to start right back in 1975. The first book to come out was the uh, the Doctor Who Monster book, and the uh, Terence Dix. It was a first. The first edition included a poster. Um, I do not have that edition. I have the 85 reprint, which they thought, well, we're not going to put a poster in there. So instead, they put an ad on the back that said, uh, for just a pound 25 or two pound 50, you can choose between five posters and send your money and we'll send them to you. But I'm guessing the original book, uh, from what I understand, had a random poster. So you needed like five books to get all five posters. Is this a book that you're familiar with, Tony? No, not at all. I'm familiar with that ad. In fact, I'm trying yeah. to think what other publication 
that was on the back of because I specifically remember thinking, damn, I really want one of those posters. Yeah, and the posters are actually very hard to find and very collectible. I mean, the the World of Doctor Who Target poster I've seen go for as high as $200. Um, and even the, a, a copy that was folded and it had tape marks on the corner. So it's uh, apparently these posters were a limited edition through WH Allen because some of the artwork was uh, Chris Achilleos, some were photos from the series, um, and the anatomy of the Dalek was owned by the Terry Nation estate. So mm. I imagine there was a limited run on all of those things. But the book was basically 64 pages, um, cost roughly a pound uh, when it came out. And uh, just to do the, um, you know, tr traditionally, I know on your podcast, there's a dramatic reading of the back cover. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> there, there's not a lot here, but the back cover basically said, um, a schematic of a Dalek showing its interior, a well-known exploding Dalek from the artwork Death to the Daleks, artwork entitled The World of Doctor, basically describing all the posters, mm -hmm. uh, photo of John Perkley with the with the side, with the uh, Santarin, and uh, artwork of two Cybermen standing in space, the cover of uh, Doctor Who and the Cybermen, basically. Mm -hmm. And the book basically goes through all, all the four Doctors at the time and all the various monsters that appeared from the Daleks, the uh, Cybermen, to uh, Lynx, the Ogrons, the Gel Guards, um, and Bach from the uh, Demons. So that was that was it. And of course, the free poster came only with the first edition. But the second edition, they said, "Well, no poster. Sorry, you got to buy the poster." So that was, and they sold a lot of these. And uh, the Monster Book, the first edition, roughly goes for about twenty dollars on the reprint for roughly ten. So it's not not too not too bad, but they sold a lot of those. A question about that. Yeah. Um, I noticed that the one book that I actually can talk about was written in first person from the doctor's point of view. Was that one one of them or no? Um, let's see. No, actually, this is not. This is um, it's basically a reference book. Ah, so and, it's just pure information. Yeah, just uh, just that the, there is. I think I know. I man, when we get, to, I think when we get to that one, I think you're. I think I know which one you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But the next book, of course, they they had to go with in, in December of 1966. They decided to do Doctor Who: The Dinosaur Book, and this one did have a color poster, and this one still does. It's basically a full color uh, poster of the cover of the book, <laughs> uh, sold for 75p. Um, basically a not, oh yeah, this is it. I believe this is the, a nonfiction book written in the first person from the doctor's point of view, as he describes various types of dinosaurs, which roam the earth. Yes, and that we could get away with doing on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one, might, this one could make the podcast, although mm -hmm. each of the, it, it would be basically a 10 minute read. Yeah. <laughs> so it, might be a, it might be a Patreon uh, special for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, from what I could, uh, the, the record, the, the information I could get from um, from the uh, publishers was that they sold thousands of these. Mm. And this particular one was not marketed in the United States, but um, sold in Malta, Australia and New Zealand, as well as the UK. Uh, it was listed as children nonfiction. So if, if it made it to the libraries, it was in the children's section. Mm. So an interesting find and, uh, and not not as collectible as you might think. I think the highest I've seen this for is $30. Hmm. So, what was the reason given for it not being marketed in the States? Did you hear well, anything about that? Actually, Target books in general were not marketed to the States until 1981. Ah, okay. That that's, when, that's when Lyle Stewart uh, opened up in New York and became the exclusive distributor in North America for W.H. Allen. Got it. And so that's when the Target books hit the United States. And uh, it kind of coincides. Uh, that's why there's some overlap with the Pinnacle editions, mm -hmm. because those started earlier. And there was a little bit of a, a tiff when Target opened up. They said, oh, no, 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 we got the U.S. market. So there were 10 Target titles unavailable. Which I never knew about until you brought it up on Facebook. So thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> oh, no, no problem. Because I, I, referring back to the Bundles from Britain catalog in 1986, we actually, a year later, they finally resolved it. And we put in there now available in Target editions because we could <laughs> not get them. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was quite a quite a thing. Um, the next the next book here in December of 1976, the same month that they put out the design the dinosaur book. They put out the making of Doctor Who, which 
is a reprint of a Piccolo edition that was kind of basically rewritten for Tom Baker. They got Terrence Sticks and Malcolm Hulk. And basically um, a, a book about how they made um, the series, some of the some of the things about how they shot the show. Um, the book sold. This was um, in the United States, two dollars ninety five cents. In fact, it's not collectible at all because you can still buy this book brand new from Alien Entertainment for eight dollars. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you why, because I remember this. That's from the original bundle stock. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think we bought a case of these. Good grief. And we just had them out at conventions and they would be stacked, you know, whatever <laughs> on the table. And they sold, I, I think, three dollars each. Oh, maybe so, I should finally get a copy because I've never owned a copy of that book. Well, if you're going to get one, get one brand new. Okay. <laughs> That's, I, I, I checked with Gene and he said, I've still got a lot of those things in stock. <laughs> so they're on the website. Uh, and, you know, just as said, not very valuable. But uh, the, the back cover, um, the dramatic back cover, of course, says, here it is, the story behind one of television's most successful, longest-running shows. Come with Doctor Who on a trip through time to the early days of the program when it all began. Meet actors, authors, and television staff. See inside a TV studio and watch a production take shape. Learn the secrets of the monsters. Relive every Doctor Who story since the beginning, at least up until 1976, and follow the Doctor through four incarnations and perhaps discover who's Doctor Who. Interesting and, that they should say it's mm -hmm. one of television's most successful and longest-running shows, given how long it had been on the air by that point. Yeah, and I think, uh, like I said, 10 years was usually the run for, mm -hmm. for most British shows. And so when they hit that 10 year mark, they were like, well, we've got one here that's going, going long distance. Hmm. But that's uh, one of the, one of the, and of course, one of the downsides to some of these books, uh, especially the older ones, is that they're only good up to that year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it's, you know, we're, we're way in the future as far as that goes. But this is a, you know, Terrence Sticks and Malcolm Hulk together. You know, and Malcolm Hulk, of course, was notably for writing a book about how to write for a television series. Ah, yes. It was a really good book that uh, actually that book is very collectible. I've seen that book sell for oh, more than $100. Oh, wow. Crazy stuff. Um, and then, of course, in 77, this is when the big, big push went with Target and they decided to put out more novelizations, more books. And that's when they did the Doctor Who Discover series. So in February of 77, the Doctor Who discovers Early Man. And all of these early Discovers books were written by Fred Newman. No idea who he is. Hmm. Um, and every one of them came with a free poster. And I'm fortunate that all of the books I have did come with the poster, though be it uh, with tape marks in the corner. So somebody had it on their wall. <laughs> and these are written from the first person. So the, uh, I love the spread in the beginning. If you can see that this is the opening oh, spread of the wow. book. That's lovely. And it was just really, really nice. Um, so this was actually published by Wyndham Publications, but they got um, the Target uh, imprint. Hmm. So by arrangement of publication with W.J. Allen, the paperback division, Target. Oh, wow. So I'm guessing that at this point, they were starting to identify Target books with Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. So the, the back cover reads, 20 million years ago, the apes began to descend from the trees. Millions of years later, some learned to walk on two feet, and from these descended the earliest humanoids. In Doctor Who discovers early man, the Doctor follows the trail of the first men on Earth and finds out about their customs, how they hunted, and how they made their tools. Watch out for more titles in these series of illustrated Doctor Who journeys of discovery. So with the first book in, in February, they already had plans to do a whole bunch of these. It wasn't, let's see how this one does and go from there. They're like, nope, we're doing a whole set of these. Mm -hmm. and What's the uh, size comparison of that to other books, the ones one, that came before it? It's actually <clears throat> pretty much the same as the dinosaur book. Okay. And I was wondering about that co-publishing thing, if it had to do with the size or something, but yeah, I guess same, not. Yeah, the same size as that. Although the sizes of all of these books vary greatly. It's it's because uh, the making of Doctor Who is slightly larger than a Target book. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's a slightly larger feel as well. But yeah, most of these. And then, of course, the next book completely defies the size question entirely because in October of 77, they decided that 
the first monster book was such a success, they decided to do the second Doctor Who monster book. And it is significantly smaller. Yes. So if I put the two, I know you can see this, but uh, the fellow's listening. It's it's about, you know, roughly two thirds of the yeah, original. That's surprisingly smaller. And uh, of course, it's a lot cheaper. They decided to do it at 70p uh, with no U.S. price tag. So this was not dis distributed. I don't remember this one coming at all. Hmm. And of course, no poster to speak of. Right. But uh, mostly black and white with several miscellaneous color pages. Just at random points in the book, they go to color and then they go back to black and white. <laughs> but some of the some of the artwork in the book is by Chris Achilleos. They have the wonderful um, Pyramids of Mars book cover in here. Mm. And of course, Terrence Dix penned it. Um, yeah. And of course, this was uh, also, uh, I guess, uh, in, in seeing this here, the Target book published by W.H. Allen, a Howard and Wyndham company. So they were acquired by Howard and Wyndham at that point. Whew. And they give Chris Achilleos the cover. This is the first time he's acknowledged for the cover art. And um, yeah, just an interesting, interesting little book. They sold thousands of these. And I've seen this book for up to $30. Really? Yeah. Because the copy that I know that I have of that one, I completely forgot about it. But mm. the copy that I know that I have, I found in a used bookstore for two. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can. You can find these. I've seen these at half price books. I've seen these um, for for a lot less than that. But people yes. are trying to get a little more for them, but not too crazy. I thought 30 was not re reaching too high, mm -hmm. um, especially for a book this age. And the back cover basically um, basically goes into this marketing spiel about here's the second Doctor Who monster book, da da da. But in big yellow print, Doctor Who Discovery series. <laughs> so from, from 19 from November, November 1977 dash and no end date, a brand new illustrated series with the um, Doctor Who leading us through amazing realities of world through these. And they, they've got prehistoric animals, space travel, mysterious creatures, early man and the conquerors, and many more titles to explain. Mm. Sadly, the list I just read there are all the titles. There were no more to explain. So <laughs> there is no further explanation. Aspirational. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so I'm guessing they got, mm, maybe they didn't do quite as well as they thought, but, mm. um, but there was definitely this big push to put out not just the target books, but stuff for the, for the younger kids as well. So then the next, uh, the next books in the next month, actually, they put out Dr. Who discovers prehistoric animals which follows the same exact um, premise. It's the doctor in first person talking about different types of dino pre dinosaurs and, and prehistoric animals with a full color poster um, of the front cover. Color poster inside. This book, uh, not, not distributed in the United States, but went for 75p. Mm -hmm. And then in the same month, so they put these all out at once, uh, this doctor who discovers space travel. And I, I love this cover. I know you can't see it on the podcast, but it's got Tom Baker with this really almost the same look as, as your photo there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Might have been the same photo shoot. In fact. Same photo shoot. And he just looked up instead of <laughs> instead of down. Um, and um, this one does have the poster, though, be it a little a little ripped up. And, and these books, basically, I've seen these up for five to ten a piece because there were a, a lot of them published. Mm -hmm. Um not going to go through all the spiel on that because they're just all coming out at the same time. Doctor Who discovers the Conquerors. This one also came out in the same. Uh, this came out in February of '78, so there was a couple months difference. Uh, they kept the price the same. Doctor Who discovers the Conquerors with the same poster. This one actually, uh, I'm, I'm happy with this one. This one still has the poster brand new in the middle. It's oh, never been wow. taken out. So I got lucky on that one. I don't know how long I've had this. But um, I love it. And the last page, it says, farewell. The doctor was thankful that he had not landed in the middle of the Great Battle of Waterloo. He had really <laughs> seen enough fighting to last him a long time. But of course, nobody ever conquered. <laughs> so <laughs> the doctor didn't approve, but we can't change the past, he said, as the TARDIS begins to oscillate. Now let's see what the future will bring. See you again for another voyage of discovery soon. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I don't know. This one, uh, I, this one kind of tells a story. So yeah, maybe these books will make it under. Maybe you do all of them in one podcast. Oh Lord, I could just. Well, we need copies of them first. That's going to be the key well, thing. It'd be pretty easy to scan, though. I think. I, I could, yeah, those look a little more robust than yeah. um, the others that we've been trying to do. Oh, I know, I know, and uh, it's 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 tough that these the, the copies. You know, while they're out there, they're not readily available and they're not new anymore. So it's it's just tough to to find, and you sometimes you get lucky. I know um, Thrift Books is a favorite place of mine to go because they have a huge stock of Doctor Who, but whoever's pricing them kind of knows something because yes. they're not all cheap. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the last the last of the Discover series was Strange and Mysterious Creatures in April of seventy eight. Uh, Fred Newman penned his last book, and um, basically there is no marketing copy on this for the next copy but there was another farewell although it the um it's interesting here the farewell message is the same as the previous except take out the word conqueror and it says you can't discover <laughs> <laughs> so the editor decided let's let's just keep the copy the same and we'll just change a word or two wow you know that's uh, <laughs> and and this book has all kinds of uh you know basically it says strange and mysterious creatures so there's um basically all kinds of things like duck-billed platypuses and things like that. It's it's really kind of a this one was kind of a strange one, and maybe this one didn't sell very well. And they thought, nope, we're done with that. Money's been made on that. So, but that was the last of the Discover series, and the last time they would put out a Target book this size. Mm-hmm. The, the rest of them kind of come out a little different. So a whole year passes, September 1979. And we get the adventures of canine and other mechanical creatures, which is the one I know. Yes. And um, this one. Um, hello, this is the doctor. Here's a book uh, all about my faithful friend canine. As you know, canine is a kind of robot dog, though he'd sooner be described as a completely mobile, self-powered computer with multi-sensory circuits and a built-in defense capability. I'm also telling you about some other mechanical creatures I've encountered on my travels through space and time. Some have been surprisingly friendly, but others very dangerous indeed. So basically, this is the third monster book mm. with K9. Okay. That and so um, this, and they actually, in the marketing copy in the corner, it says a Doctor Who special. So yes. you've got to get it. It's a special book. <laughs> um, this one um, does not have a US price tag on it. And I remember this one did get to the usa in 1981 because you can also buy this one brand new at alien entertainment at the <laughs> drwhostore.com for roughly 15 dollars. wow so they've he's got plenty of copies i should get it to replace my copy the original copy that i got from pbs back in 1980 whatever it was that is literally falling apart <laughs> yep this this was a premium on uh channel 11 back in the day if you gave i think a hundred dollars or so to the public radio station they oh, sent you a copy wow. of this book i don't think we gave 60 oh 60 <laughs> yeah i think i gave 100 for the picture disc oh good god <laughs> well that's worth it <laughs> and uh, of course the picture disc i got and i did this i know i talked about this at the chicago tardis um uh collecting it's uh, got the doctors printed in reverse order mm-hmm. so so uh, davison is on the one side and hartnell's on the other side it was a couple of misprints that got out oh. so that was a lucky find um, of course, they got Terrence Sticks to write this one as well. So I'm wondering if they had him kind of chained to a desk at Tandem. And said, <laughs> okay, I know you're finishing up whatever thing you're doing, but I need this by tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I think Terrence Sticks was happy to get the work, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. I, would never turn them down. His his uh, his royalty rate, I believe, was 10%. Whew. So um, 10% of 85p, so 8%. Eight and a half p per book. They sold thousands of these. I think he did just fine. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's not a problem. So yeah, canine and other. You can get this new, by the way. DoctorWhoStore.com still has this book in stock. So don't go anywhere else. Go there, and you can save a little bit of money. Same thing with our next one here. So in, in the same uh, the same uh, about a month later, we come out with Terry Nation's Dalek Special, another Terrence Dix uh, paperback. And this one is really interesting because they had to go through the Terry Nation estate anytime they mentioned the word Dalek, right? To get all the images and all the uh, all the information. And this one basically has it, it tells like a story. 
this one actually could make your podcast actually. <laughs> right. There, there are chapter stories here, but then there's also the uh, Inside a Dalek, which was made famous in the very first Dalek book that was published back in 64. Right. With the anatomy and also in the Doctor Who technical manual and the monster books. Mm -hmm. So we're reusing material already. And uh, some photographs uh, over the years are in how to, and also there's plans in here on how to make your own Dalek. Oh, which, my. which I know people have used to make, uh, to, to build their Daleks. And there's, there's quite a, you could do it. You could use these plans as a, as a base, or you could actually copy these pages and fold these things into a Dalek. Oh, so they made actual paper copies of them. They didn't just scale up and make a full size. <laughs> well, some people have made full size Daleks from this. Oh my yeah. God. Between this and the technical manual, there's enough information to kind of put together uh, an idea or at least a scale Oh, that is fascinating. Um, you should check out the Dalek Builders or the Dalek Owners Facebook page. That is oh, yes. a page for Dalek Builders. I, I, I don't own a Dalek, so I thought I just want to meet people who are doing this and they're showing us their work. And it's like, wow, this is probably better than what they're building at the prop department. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but it's a it's a it's a real this one was a really good book. Very popular book. I remember having we had 50 copies of this at TARDIS 22. And we sold every single one of them. And you can still get this book new at DoctorWhoStore.com. Good to know. <laughs> so that's, that's the next one. Um, then we have to wait a, little, a couple of years here. October 1981, they thought, well, it's time for a real reference book. So the Doctor Who program guide was put out. Uh, Jean-Marc LaFissiere, mm -hmm. um, Target reprinted. And this was reprinted um, in 1989 on the Target imprint and then in 1994 on the Virgin imprint. And then in 2003, it was in the iUniverse imprint. Hmm. So apparently this is this book was very popular. The Program Guide Volume 1, which basically had the programs. Now, this particular book is only good up to Legopolis. Right. So if you're looking for the stories that go further, you'll need the other reprints. But this book was sold in the United States for $4 um, and did very well in the UK at a pound 35 and they sold many. They also did a hardcover imprint on this on the W.H. Allen imprint. Hmm. The other book did not get reprinted, and that's the volume two, What's What and Who's Who. Um, and when I tried to figure out why it was reprinted, it was pretty, uh, pretty obvious to me because this book also stops at Legopolis. Okay. And to do that they went to the illustrated world of doctor who to the doctor who encyclopedia to basically now just go online and find what you need mm -hmm. so the tar the, the book here says basically now at last you can discover exactly how many elephants and tigers the doctor won at back cabin with kublai khan <laughs> the precise breeding speed of the santarans um the identities of all the doctor's doubles and thousands of other pieces of crucial and intriguing information mm. So there's there's it's basically like uh, like a dictionary. So if I if I open this up here, Grover, Sir Charles MP, mastermind behind Operation Golden Age. <laughs> you know, that's important to know. And actually, is. actually really important to know for the next book that came out in December of 1981, the Doctor Who quiz book. Ah uh, yes, I have a story about this one. But go oh, ahead. go ahead, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, well. We interviewed Nigel Robinson on the podcast a few years back, mm. and I asked him if he'd be willing to do a quiz show with us using the questions from his own quiz books. Oh, okay. And I think he got about eight out of the ten right, so yeah, he managed <laughs> to stump himself a couple times. <laughs> well, I imagine when you write, uh, and of course there were a total of three quiz books that came out, and of course uh, brain, uh, we're going to get to those in a minute, but the brain teasers and mind benders, and then of course then Target didn't print all of them. There were some printed on another uh, publisher at the same time. Uh, Magnet Books mm -hmm. printed out a bunch of quiz books. And this was um, these books basically are not very collectible. Um, you can find these for a dollar a piece. Mm -hmm. That's what I paid for this one. It's pretty beat up and used, uh, but there's really no collectible value in it because the like I said, the quiz questions are only good up to 1981. Mm -hmm. So if you're an old classic Who fan, this is the perfect book for you. So let's see. Let me open up random question time here. Let's see. Um, Let's see. On his first visit to Earth, where did the Master's TARDIS materialize? Uh, 
That would have been Traveling Circus, is that right? Yes, uh, Luigi Rossini's Circus. Ah, okay. I would never have gotten the name of the circus. I just remember it was a circus. And of course, then the follow-up question is, that's not his real name. His real name was Hugh Russell. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now that I definitely would not have remembered. <laughs> uh, one of the things, I, I grew up watching the John Pertwees, and I've always gone back to those as my, as my go-to Doctor Who's and uh, and of course you know forming and my, my longtime friendship with Katie Manning too on top of it just kind of kept me in touch with those and I, every time I watch it I pick up new things about those episodes <laughs> but um, but there are 750 questions in this book and at the time I remember um, it's see it was a, a pound 25 and I think these sold for four dollars here in the United States mm. we had about 10 of these at uh, TARDIS 22 and I don't remember taking any home okay but uh, you can probably find these in used books. You can find them on Amazon, sometimes in really beat up shape for a dollar if you really want one. That was the uh, the first Doctor Who quiz book. And um, in 19, uh, December of 82, they came out with the Doctor Who crossword book. I do not have one, but also a Nigel Robinson book. And the, some of the examples include The Great Intelligence Tramped the Whole of Central London Inside One. Oh, the Inside time, a web. In a web. <laughs> the Time Lords brought them together to divide Omega. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> the Time Lords. So these are not coordinates of some exotic planet or a coded message from outer space. They're just two of the clues to be found in the new Doctor Who crossword book. I wish I could have written marketing copy for these folks. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're trapped in a time warp or caught in a traffic jam, why not add new dimension to those wasted moments and enter the world of Doctor Who? Why would ever being trapped in a time warp be wasted time? You're literally warping time. Right. I thought... <laughs> Yeah, it's. I, I read that. I'm like, wait a minute. Of course, I've been in many traffic jams, and I'm like thinking, hmm, better pull up the old Doctor Who crossword book. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what the marketers had in mind there. And, of course, they sold a lot of those books. Uh, of course, they sold so many that, um, of course, we had to wait an entire year, December of 83, before they decided to come out with the second Doctor Who quiz book. I think they needed to make sure that the first one sold as well, and they were crunching the numbers and said, okay, Nigel, we need another one. Mm -hmm. So this one, of course, goes up to uh, 1983. Uh, it, this one was, I bought this one for 50 cents. The tag is still on there. Uh, it has the original Lyle Stewart uh, price tag on the back for $3.95, which is pretty much we rounded up to four usually at conventions. Right. We never, you know, uh, I'll tell you what, Gene never liked having coins. <laughs> no. I don't and, blame him. And I, I don't blame him too, because uh, they, they usually don't at, at Tardis, uh, Chicago Tardis. He doesn't have coins there. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, uh, let's see a random question here. Here's a fourth doctor question. Uh, what is robophobia? Ah, robophobia is the irrational fear of robots as seen in the robots of death. Which Absolutely correct. About four or five episodes, I think. Yes, and I think we'll overdub the uh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> 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 Tell them what he's won. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> so, yeah, the quiz, this, you, can, you can get these quiz books out there, folks, for, you know, don't pay more than a dollar, two dollars if you really want one. I mean, if you're a diehard collector and you want this book in mint condition, I don't know if you're going to find it that way. I've never seen them. Um, people usually get these to read them and use them. So that's that's the most important part there. Uh, in November of 1984, so we wait another whole year. This this started to slow down a little bit. Uh, Brain teasers and mind benders. This time by Adrian Heath. And so their copy was. So you think you know about who? Adrian Heath's compilation of a multitude of puzzles and quizzes based on the ever popular BBC Doctor Who series will really put your knowledge to the test, but don't expect straightforward questions and answers. Adrian's puzzles have all the versatility of a fully functioning TARDIS and assume a variety of mystifying guises. Unlike the TARDIS. Unlike the TARDIS. <laughs> and, and unlike the TARDIS, you can have hours of fun and amusement while becoming a veritable <laughs> Doctor Who mastermind. <laughs> I, I love how adversarial that first line is. So you think you know no. about who, you don't know anything about who. You don't Get know nothing <laughs> until you buy this book i don't own a copy of this book i never i never went for those books when i was younger so i thought mm, and i 
don't think we carried that one because um, I mostly have the stuff we carried. That's the stuff that stuck with me all these years. Um, the next one, of course, is the third Doctor Who quiz book in yes. October 85. And I love that it's got the silhouette of Colin Baker on the front here with the question mark. <laughs> Who is that? Uh, this one has the um, the price on it is $2.95 from Lyle Stewart. They lowered the price. And this one, of course, is the final quiz book for Nigel Robinson. I think that's the one we couldn't get hold of in order to find questions for him. Oh, this this is the copy I've got. Uh, let's see. I had to buy this one. I bought this uh, from some used bookstore, but I think I paid like $2 for it hmm. because I think the price tag is still in here somewhere. But, you know, let's see a random, random question here. Why could the Terraleptals encountered by the doctor never return to their home planet? Uh, they couldn't afford the return tickets. That probably is more correct than the answer. Uh, let's see, page 67. <laughs> what does the answer say here? Um, that's that's how you know this podcast is live, everybody. We're doing this as we go. Because they were convicted criminals who escaped their home planet. Oh, that's right. There of we course. go. So, yeah, this book would have been... Like you do. <laughs> hey, there you go. You know, it's a... It, of course, a lot of Fifth Doctor um, questions in this book uh, because of when it came out. So, mm -hmm. of course, the previous ones wouldn't have gone that far. So that would be the final um, journey into the uh, books. But, of course, the back cover marketing copy also available, the quiz book, the second quiz book, and the crossword book. So this is, you know, get this one, get the others while you can. And I'm actually surprised that, you know, with the Target books coming out with their gift sets, that they didn't do a puzzle set and do all four of those books in one little slipcase. Yeah, that would have been a brilliant way for them to make some money, but they'd probably have to have some actual printed stock of each of them at the same time. That would have been the issue. Yeah, and I think they didn't want to reprint. That was right. uh, a lot. And, and I, I spent a few years in the publishing industry and the decision to reprint was not an easy one. There were right. lots of numbers to be calculated to see, you know, do we have this? Because you have to print a certain number to get the certain price. And it's, you know, I, I just remember being in one of those meetings when we were thinking about reprinting a book and are we really going to sell this? And the decision ultimately came, no, we're not. So we're going to have to just tell customers we're, it's out of print. Mm -hmm. And it's that's a tough decision to make. And I'm sure um, I'm sure these folks, of course, at this point in 1985, the money is starting to slowly dwindle down. The target book uh, runs are starting to be cut shorter. W.H. Allen is printing fewer hardcover books, which means that's why the later ones are a lot more rare than the earlier ones. Mm -hmm. So that was it for that. The, the next book I don't own, but I've got a copy on the way. Uh, July 1986, so quite some time. Travel Without the TARDIS by Gene Airy and Laurie Haldeman. Mm. Target paperback. And um, that was, I remember having that book in stock with bundles. That was a popular read. Um, it says, do you know where the fourth doctor was tied to a post waiting for the Corral's bomb to explode in the android invasion? Or where the BBC went to film the Zygon spacecraft rise from the waters of Loch Ness? or where the village of Devil's End from the demons can be found. Gene Airy and Laurie Haldeman have secured the length and breadth of Great Britain in search of the film locations of many of the Doctor's extraordinary adventures through time and space. In doing so, they have unearthed a wealth of fascinating information about the filming of the world's longest-running science fiction TV show. So if you've ever wondered where the planet Telos really is, or what race of aliens lived in the caves of Wookiee Hole, then Travel Without the TARDIS will prove to be in, an indispensable guidebook. And I remember that the completely useless encyclopedia was scathing about that book. Yes, yeah. Um, it was a book without an audience. <laughs> it, it definitely, I'll tell you what, in, 80, in July in 86, I was still, I was still, I was still working bundles in Britain back then. We got a lot of orders for that book because it was new. It had a great yellow cover with the police box on it. And, and after that, we kind of didn't care about you know, <laughs> <laughs> what was in the book. I, I did read it, I remember. And I remember reading it going, OK, well, if I ever go there, this might help. But, <laughs> yes. but then later I heard about some of the later reviews, as you mentioned, and just, you know, it was not the best book. And mm. I believe um, short, not a few years later when they did Return to Devil's End, 
and actually did a real just, you know, kind of visual tour of the demon set and all that. And some of those things were missing from this book. Oh, wow. So that's that's <laughs> kind of what happened there. Of course, that was a one off. So they did not reprint it and it's no longer in print. So that's how that goes. Um, we go then a couple of years to October 1986. This is a book I don't own uh, yet, but you can get this book brand new from the DoctorWhoStore.com, uh, the Doctor Who Pattern Book by Joy Gammon. The paperback edition was done on the Target imprint, and the hardcover was done on W.H. Allen. So the Doctor Who Pattern Book contains a terrific variety of clothes, toys, cushions, bags, and other desirable objects to knit and sew based on the ever-popular BBC television program. And so some of the things you could make included the canine shoulder bag, the TARDIS sleeping bag, you always need one of those, um, and the console floor cushion, as well as Romana's sailor top, Adric's anorak, and Peter Davison's cricket jumper. Yes, and I actually saw a copy of this book once because a friend of mine back in high school had it, mm. and none of the clothes looked at all like anything you'd want to wear, especially <laughs> Adric's anorak. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't very good, and of course, it did not sell very well. <laughs> um, despite the fact that you can still buy it new at DoctorWhoStore.com. <laughs> and in fact, let me, let me, I've got the, I've got it up here. So the pattern book, um, yeah, it's, it's 1999. So, <laughs> okay. So if it doesn't sell well, you can get it there. I'm starting to see a pattern. <laughs> yes. Some of the book, now the books that are, that are still in stock. Now, of course the making of Doctor Who, I think is an exception because I think we bought an obscene amount of those. Um, and of course, speaking of patterns and we go to the next month, November of 86, the Doctor Who cookbook oh, by dear. Gary Downey, um, a target paperback also in hardcover on the WH Allen imprint. So this one, you're going to love the marketing copy on this. Uh, the Makra Terror lived off a steady diet of toxic gas, the ogre fed on blood, and even the fifth doctor was known for his fondness for celery. However, we humans need something a little more substantial. <laughs> and Gary Downey has raided the cookbooks of the show's stars. Now, the way they put that is that Gary Downey snuck into Liz Sladen's house and stole her recipe cards. <laughs> Which he may and, very well have done. <laughs> it's, it's here, get this and get off my property. <laughs> <laughs> yes. To produce, and this gets better, to produce a mouthwatering selection of recipes guaranteed to delight your taste buds. From all corners of space and time come exotic delights as Time Lady Tsaxi, uh, Castro Valvin Kebabs, Mina's Takianic Sauce, and Patrick Troughton's Vegetable Soup with Dalek Crotons. That's mixing genres. I can't make this up. <laughs> this is from the back of the book. Uh, and for the adventurous, there is also Barry Lett's mysterious unnamed dish from Venus. <laughs> Hence the adventurous part. <laughs> Which lists amongst its ingredients, blim tree worms and grated snedge. Oh, good so. God. There's I, so many things I could say there. <laughs> I, well, the final two words, bon appetit. <laughs> yes. And all of these recipes will lead to toxic gas, which you can toxic then feed your macra. We'll feed the macra or possibly uh, you know, keep keep your uh, your handy Rolades happy. <laughs> it's the uh, circle of life. <laughs> absolutely. I have a copy of the cookbook on the way because you can also get the cookbook from DrHoostore.com. <laughs> not joking you can really get that there it's uh oh it's, wow it's they, they, he's got a bunch of them so yeah absolutely the cookbook so that got, book has outlived gary downey <laughs> in fact it's, since i since i didn't have the pattern book or the cookbook i ordered them and i'm picking them up from the store tomorrow <laughs> so, <laughs> so that i i'm gonna have to look up some of those recipes so it'll <laughs> that will be really interesting Okay, well, that's that's it for 86, but in 87, March of 87, Doctor Who Illustrated A through Z by Leslie Stranding came out, and that was a Target paperback, but also issued um, previously on the W.H. Allen hardcover from September 1985. So here they're reprinting a book um, in paperback to see if they can boost the sales pretty much. And 
Um, Leslie is an artist, and it says here she brings together for the first time in pictorial form some of the most fearsome creatures the Doctor has ever encountered in all of his six lives. Uh, in a series of beautifully executed illustrations, many, many in full color, she takes us on a journey through time and space, reintroducing us to such memorable monsters as the Daleks and the Cybermen, and to old friends like Romana and Jamie. Packed with little-known facts and figures, the Doctor Who illustrated A through Z forms the definitive illustrated handbook to all the Doctor's travels. No Doctor Who fan can afford to be without it, so buy this one. <laughs> I, I added the last bit. <laughs> Is that one also on sale on the website? Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> this wow, one patterns this, destroyed. This one didn't do very well in paperback. The hardcovers I have seen very uh, floating out there in the various forums for mm -hmm. up to thirty dollars. Paperbacks not so much. So I'm guessing because they didn't run very many. Um, and this is, of course, in '87. We're coming to like almost the end of the Target run in their timeline because they're starting to really reduce print runs. The sales are starting to go down. Um, the writing's on the wall that, you know, the series of course lasts till 89 in the classic series, but the money was start, it was starting to kind of dry up in the publishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's unfortunate. And so uh, of course that was, uh, you know, the, uh, not the last one, but the next one, uh, in October of 87 is the largest target book ever produced. It's called Build the TARDIS, Make Your Very Own Time Machine Without Scissors or Glue by Mark Harris. And uh, here it is. Good you can see Lord. it there. It's bigger it's, on the outside. Yes, bigger <laughs> on the outside. And um, it's got a Lyle Stewart uh, tag on the back for $7.95. Mm. And um, let's see, uh, the, uh, the book measures at 13 by 10, printed on cardstock. And literally all of the pages are here with the with the press outs wow. to make your own TARDIS. Now, many people that commented on um, the Facebook page when we announced this podcast said, I've made a TARDIS from there and it's still holding together without oh. scissors or glue. Wow. So I will say from a book from 1987, that's a that's good news. It means mm -hmm. it works. And I actually own a second copy of this book. So I will be attempting to build my own TARDIS. Oh, something to do. This one still has the price on there. And a lot of times books get these clipped when they're sold and used. So £3.95. Um, but yeah, it's, it basically says on the back here, and I'll read it right from the back here. This exciting book contains all you need to build a precise and accurate scale model of the police telephone box featured on the BBC series Doctor Who. Um, clear and concise instructions how to make the easy-to-assemble model. All the pieces are die-cut and simply pressed from the page. No need for scissors or blades. The model is then assembled using the specially devised system of locking tabs, so no glue. The complete TARDIS is accurate in every detail and will provide hours of fun for the Doctor Who fans of all ages. So I'm kind of wondering in the test subject area, did it take hours to make? <laughs> so I will be I will be timing myself when I make this so I can produce an accurate report. But I, I, can, I can imagine as a publisher, though, this has got to be a, a nightmare oh, because yeah. You've not only you've got the, the cover was probably made separately. And I remember when we had books that had various things with tear outs and whatnot. And then the paper part of it in the beginning was one, but all the press outs had to be done in such a way. And even as I turn the pages, I have to be careful because they're already starting to pop out a little bit. Hmm. But um, each page, of course, is one sided. And as far as laying this out, and of course, there's some paper at the end. So I, I, I can see how they put it together, but it's put together with just a, with two staples. So I, I can't imagine for this amount of money, they must have printed a bunch of these. I couldn't get any publication information on this because this is really towards the end of the run. And somebody got back to me and says, well, I'm not sure about that title. I kept email. Here's the ISBN number. Is that, I'm not finding it. Sorry. You know, they're, they're, you know, the folks at, uh, at, uh, BBC books are really helpful because they have all the WH Allen info. Right. And there's usually a person there that gets back to me on this stuff, but they, they couldn't find this one. Hmm. But you can probably find this one out there if you find an intact copy on eBay, probably for about $30. So none of these books hit the $100 price tag. Not surprising. Yeah. And that's because they were just, they were marketing filler. Um, we're getting to the last book here. So November of 1991, the final um, Target book, 
The Terrestrial Index by Jean-Marc Lafissier, uh, the last target paperback to be produced that was not a novel. Uh, the Companion Guide to the Program Guide basically contains everything there is to know about Doctor Who and the planet Earth. The information is divided into three main sections. The first section is a who's who of the actors, technicians, and writers connected with the Doctor Who stories. The second contains brief details of all the Doctor Who adventures other than those on television. The stories from the stage plays, the radio programs, and the comic strips. The third is a chronology of Earth history as revealed in the Doctor Who television stories. The terrestrial index is packed with information and is an indispensable companion to the program guide. Um, the third volume, um, basically the program guide was the first volume. The terrestrial index was the second. The third planned volume was called the Universal Data Bank, but that was printed on the Virgin imprint. Mm -hmm. So that was after Target was retired. Right. So that's, that is all the Target books that were probably not able to make your podcast. <laughs> right. Everything unfit to print, essentially, or to discuss. <laughs> right. Because there's not a lot of content. And no. my, you know, in looking into these books, and I had a bunch of these before I started, and some of them that I've acquired just for looking at and seeing why were these done. And it's clear to me and maybe clear to the audience at this point that this was a, a marketing um, idea. Let's get as much out there on the Doctor Who label as we possibly can, especially during that 76, 77 year. And let's see what we can do with it. And unfortunately, as time went on, so did the, uh, you know, unfortunately, the interest in the show also faded towards the late 80s. Mm -hmm. And so nobody was buying these books. Well, I'm wondering if 40 to 50 years on, people are going to be looking at all of the marketing filler that the new series has produced because, oh boy, howdy, has it done more oh than my Target gosh. ever did. This is a small sampling of, you know, basically I stuck this, I kept this really limited to the Target imprint. But if I were to expand this to BBC, Virgin, um, WH Allen, uh, the floodgates get open because there is a ton of marketing filler um, for the new series. Mm -hmm. um, books about the Cybermen, about the Daleks, about Rose, about, you know, all, all of the stuff, you know, that basically they're back into that cash grab. Mm -hmm. And I, I take that term that Nicholas Briggs coined that term on the Big Finish podcast when somebody wrote in and said, all right, why are you doing this? Is this some, some kind of cash grab? And so now they use it all the time. <laughs> He's like, a cash grab? No, it's not a cash grab. Like, they just used it in, the, in their last podcast. They said, well, some people might think it's a cash grab, but it's not. <laughs> So I thought, hmm, interesting, but that's, that's probably what a lot of this was, especially uh, those Discover books and all that. They're trying to, you know, get younger kids. In and, and, of course, uh, the uh, Doctor Who Jr. Uh, books, oh. the, the two that they ran, were clearly aimed at because uh, they were lower price. Um, they did hardcover and paperback editions of those as well um, and put those out on Target and WH Allen and sold those for, you know, but apparently they only did two. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe that didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in their marketing department to say, hmm, that, uh, that second one, the brain of Morbius didn't sell very well. So well, I think but, I know why. <laughs> well, absolutely. And just, you know, just and kind of bring you up brain of Morbius. I know that was a recent episode of the Target Book Club podcast. I, I did finish that one. And uh, currently, as of this taping, I am in the middle of the Seeds of Doom. Oh. And uh, definitely enjoying uh, the flavor that Jenny Ingersoll brings to your podcast, by the way. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, we're hoping to have her back very, very soon. Good, good. And, um, of course, our good friend of the podcast here, Eric Branson, is a guest on the Seeds of Doom podcast. You can get the Target Book Club podcast just about anywhere you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're always happy um, – Actually, any final words on these books here, Mr. Witt? Only that you will never hear from them on my podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> these, these just are not something that we could actually do anything with. Of course, the junior Doctor Who's we probably will. But right. these, I, I'm just flipping through my Adventures of Canine and Other Mechanical Creatures, possibly just for the the 
craziness of the doctor and canine having this weird talk show conversation about their adventures together and name checking every story as if they know the name of the story they appeared in. It's just bizarre. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's one of the weirder books. (laughs) (laughs) So we might do it. it, That might be a great special. I would definitely uh, listen. And like I, I tell my audience, if you're not listening to the doctor who target book club podcast, you need to find another hobby. (laughs) <laughs> so it's a great great thing um so basically and and of course like uh, tony just said you'll also never hear about these books on this podcast anymore <laughs> either <laughs> we've covered them uh so that that basically wraps up target books that are not novels and basically stuff that was put out to sell copies of books and so if you're looking to find these again most of these books that i mentioned you can find new at doctorwhostore.com Uh, Just go there, search the shop, and just put in Target in the search bar, and all of their Target books will come up. They have quite a few Target books that they're still selling for brand new. Um, The other place is, of course, Abe's Used Books online. Abe'sBooks.com has a great selection of used books. Thrift Books is another one. Brought to Book is another favorite of mine. And as a last resort, eBay. And I'll tell you why, because our next episode... We're going to talk about bad eBay experiences, and there are quite a few. And uh, in fact, the podcast, our podcast here, we buy things periodically to to take a look at stuff. We've been banned by three stores, and we think anything to deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) We always left positive reviews. We always paid on time. We always credited them when necessary, and then we found out we couldn't buy from them anymore. So... A lot of a lot of people, and of course, um, I won't uh, do the spoiler. But we actually were looking at a very special item that we paid for and never got, but did get our money back. And turns out that the item was never for sale in the first place. Oh goodness, so, that should be interesting to hear about. Absolutely. So I want to thank my good friend, uh, Mr. Tony Witt, the host and producer of the Target Book Club podcast. And Tony, if you could tell my fans here where we can listen to the podcast. You can find it at SoundCloud forward slash Doctor Who Target BC because that is the most direct way to find the episodes, but you can also just do a search on the internet very quickly for Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast and it will pop right up. In fact, we expect you to. Yes, we do. You can tell I am not only just a, uh, uh, I, I'm also a fan. So I, I, I do enjoy the the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. And like I said, uh, we, we we have this new program here of podcasters helping podcasters. The Doctor Who Co- Collectors podcast was very happy to loan copies of the Doctor Who Junior series to the Target Book Club podcast since those books are not very easy to find. And, um, you know, so far, you know, I hope they're serving you well and hopefully uh, the scanning will work out. Yes, I hope so as well. <laughs> and don't and worry, don't worry too much about it. I mean, we're we're fine. <laughs> All righty, good to hear. <laughs> All right, uh, again, thanks you, thank you to my good friend Tony Wood for being on the program, and that concludes uh, today's story. Thank you for listening. All my travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil, against power mad conspirators. I should have stayed here, the oldest civilization. Decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power mad conspirators, Daleks, Sontarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. And now it's time for the most outrageous offer. And in sticking with today's theme of Target books, unusual Target books, uh, we've discovered a seller in San Diego, California, who's been selling books online since 2008 with a five-star review. So um, this comes as a surprise to me. When we looked up the Doctor Who quiz book, the third Doctor Who quiz book, and they are selling this book brand new for $78.17. That seems a bit high to me. Considering you can get the book for as little as $2.50. Like I said, this book is rarely collectible. Unless you're a diehard collector and you're willing to spend this kind of money on this, I would hold off and take a look around. Always, as our advice, shop around for a better deal. 
So this book, $78.17, I am ruling on it as an outrageous offer. So if you have an outrageous offer you'd like to share with us, give us an email at Podcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. This has been a most outrageous offer. Sad, Red, isn't it? People spend all that time making nice things, and other people come along and break them. And now it's time for collection protection, and in particular, I want to pay attention to a book we discussed a little earlier called Build the TARDIS Without Scissors or Glue. The book, of course, measures at 10 by 13, which makes it the largest Target book in the Target book printing. And so the only bag that comes close to that is a bag we find at one of our good friends and partners, Bags Unlimited, and you can find them at bagsunlimited.com. The bag you need for this particular book is the Treasury Edition graded magazine sleeve with a one and a one and a half inch resealable flap. The bag measures at 10 and 3 eighths by 14 and a quarter and 1.5 mil, made from polypropylene. So this bag will protect that book. If you decide not to build your TARDIS, it will keep the book in really good condition. Unfortunately, you can only buy them in bag in stacks of 100, so maybe you can talk to other people who need this particular size bag or other publications that might fit this bag. For all types of collectible uh, protection, you can mostly meet those needs at bagsunlimited.com. If you give them a call, make sure you mention the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Their number is 800-767-2247. And that concludes this episode of the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe and pass it along to your friends. Our next episode, we'll be gathering a panel discussion of bad eBay experiences, and we will be naming names. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Until then, keep collecting. Cooks a Doctor Who cookbook. I haven't got a clue why I'm doing this. Anyway, let's crack on. And today's recipe is John Pertwee's poached egg salad. So this recipe is from the Gary Downey Doctor Who cookbook and apparently all these recipes are very doable. Neil made me say that. So this John Poetry recipe is for six people, so um, I imagine a lot of you will be living on your own. So what I've done for your benefit is to divide the uh, ingredients um, for, for just one person. Okay, so the ingredients you're going to need for this recipe are obviously eggs, tomatoes, salt and pepper, chilli powder, mayonnaise, some fresh basil, fresh chives and some fresh parsley. So the first thing we need to do is the poached eggs. Now what I find easier is if you actually put an egg into a little container. Just makes it a little bit easier. So the water's boiling now, so we're time to poach our egg. And the best way to do it is if you create a little vortex in the pan, just spin it round and get the water going in a little circle. Put a few drops of vinegar in. Now they do say that white wine vinegar is best, but I haven't got any white wine vinegar, so I'm just using chip shop style. I'm sure it'll be fine. Create a little vortex. You Doctor Who fans will know where a vortex is, no doubt. And then just drop your egg in, nice and gently, and hopefully the vinegar will keep the egg whites all together. 